Welcome to EANCAST, your weekly source for education, research, and updates from the European Academy of Neurology. Hello, uh, welcome to this edition of the EAN Weekly Neurology Podcast. Today uh, we are going to talk uh, with Professor Muresanu and uh, I will be the moderator. So we'll start with presenting each other. Uh, I am a co-chair of the EAN uh, Scientific Panel for Neurorehabilitation. I'm also research professor at the Institute of Neuro, uh, Medical Research, University of Belgrade, and involved in uh, neurorehabilitation as well as uh, neuromodulation and brain plasticity. Professor Moresano is uh, president of the European Federation of Neurorehabilitation Societies. He is also secretary general of the Academy for Multidisciplinary Neurotraumatology and the past president of the Romanian Society of Neurology. Also, Professor Monsanto is a professor of neurology and chairman of the Department of Neurosciences at the University Iuliu Hateganu in Cluj-Napoca in Romania. He is chairman of Roneuro Institute for Neurological Research and Diagnostics and corresponding member of the Romanian Academy of Sciences. So he has quite a lot of achievements and a lot of experience. And today he is going to talk about uh, neurorehabilitation of stroke impairments, post-stroke impairments. So we can start with the first question to introduce the subject. Professor Muresano, what are the latest trends in the clinical care of stroke patients and how these advancements improved patient outcomes? Thank you very much, dear Professor Filipovich. Thank you, Sasha for this great introduction and I believe this uh, series of podcasts are at the very heart of the philosophy of EAN and will definitely support uh, further uh, educational development. Talking about uh, uh, this very provocative question that you have addressed, I may say that the clinical care for stroke patients has undergone substantial changes over the past few years. And these improvements have greatly contributed to better patient outcomes. For instance, advancements in neurohabilitation have uh, created a complete revolution in stroke recovery. There is now a growing recognition that stroke recovery involves a holistic multidisciplinary approach that goes beyond just physical aspects. We now incorporate cognitive and psychological therapies tailored to each patient's unique circumstances and needs. Today, we are definitely contemplating uh, the concept of comprehensive rehabilitation team. So the comprehensive rehabilitation team consists of neurologists, of course, neurohabilitation physician, rehabilitation nursing, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, rehabilitation uh, psychology. We are using uh, a very uh, large, uh, I would say, uh, uh, number of social workers. We rely a lot on uh, recreational therapy. And of course, we take in consideration also aspects related to nutrition. Having said so, we uh, really believe that uh, 
this team will uh, continue to change the measurable outcomes. And uh, we are talking today about the effectiveness of team-based rehabilitation. And uh, for sure, there is a fairly good evidence that organized interdisciplinary rehabilitation results in better outcomes in rehabilitation patients. Of course, most studies of effectiveness of team-based rehabilitation have been conducted in high-income countries, but uh, the results of these uh, uh, studies are very much applicable in uh, all parts of Europe, at least, and uh, we can extrapolate this to the, uh, to the global approach. My prediction is that uh, traditional rehabilitation, as currently practiced, will still be a good option at a reasonable horizon. Let's talk about 2030 because all plans or our plans are going now, are pointing towards this uh, horizon of time. But a legitimate question may occur, what are other strategies currently being investigated and which which one uh, hold most promise for the future? And uh, we may discuss, I think, uh, about these new approaches and the new technologies in a very exciting way. But still, we need to be uh, to, to be cautious, we need to be sure that these new approaches are safe and effective at the same time. Some novel treatments that may be listed are uh, virtual reality programs, motor imagery, mirror therapy, sensory stimulation, and uh, we put a lot of uh, hope in this emerging concept that hold uh, uh, definitely the most uh, uh, promising uh, development. These are robotics, including portable wearable devices, brain stimulation, actually modulation, and Professor Filipovic is one of the high acclaimed specialists in uh, delivering uh, RTMS, uh, TDCS, and uh, other, uh, uh, let's say, uh, techniques uh, that will create uh, a positive brain stimulation. We have to contemplate positively uh, the brain-computer interface part. We are looking into uh, cell transplantation techniques uh, and the whole cell transplantation uh, area, it's still uh, not so clear. We may even define it as being unclear and uh, there are no clear recommendations in this respect, but research is uh, going uh, more and more into this uh, direction, exploring eventually new horizons. Of course, pharmacological support, it's a a very important part, and uh, we'll come back to this, as uh, by our efforts, uh, our Neuro Rehab panel in EAN, together with the European Federation of Neurorehabilitation, we developed two years ago uh, an important guideline uh, regarding pharmacological intervention in uh, early neuro rehab. And uh, based on that, we define that at least uh, two categories of uh, molecules uh, have been identified as being effective for uh, uh, stimulation uh, of neuro rehab and plasticity. This is cerebralizing 30 milliliters per day and uh, citalopram 20 milligrams per day. And uh, this was an important breakthrough uh, based on the fact that uh, 
so far we have a plethora of uh, information, some of them divergently talking about uh, uh, one aspect or another. I would like to also to uh, recall the idea of remote rehabilitation, including tele-rehabilitation, which is also uh, an important aspect. Coming back to brain-computer interface, primary goal of brain-computer interface is to improve, to restore communication, to improve motor function. And uh, if we talk about neurological condition that may benefit from uh, this brain-computer interface approach, we may uh, uh, mention locked-in syndrome, uh, high cervical spinal cord injury, ALS, uh, severe quadriplegic cerebral palsy, and uh, there are some other conditions, but these are the main conditions that are eligible for that. Electric and magnetic signals to control brain-computer interface systems are related to, to different type of approaches and technologies. We may uh, uh, use intracortical electrodes, electrocorticography, electroencephalography, or magnetoencephalography, and um, the essence of brain-computer interface is that we have sensors. We, we uh, detect the signals from the brain, usually why uh, imagining a task, for example, measuring EEG desynchronization while imagining a motor task, for example, then the signal is processed and is decoded uh, to the intended movement. And then we use the decoded movement to plan and generate a movement in the patient's own body or on an external effector such as a computer, tablet, or robotic hand. Remote rehabilitation strategies are also important, as I mentioned. Complex internet-based training programs, remote telephone or video system, on, and uh, this is also explored now in uh, small trials uh, Smartphones are very common and can improve telecommunication between medical professionals, but also with the patients, including text messaging and variable sensors can recognize uh, uh, different activity patterns of the patients. Uh, everything is based at the end of the day on neuroplasticity, the brain's ability to recognize itself and to reorganize uh, uh, circuits and uh, creating new uh, neuronal connections. And uh, this is now at the forefront of stroke rehabilitation, making it possible for patients. And this is the hope uh, uh, to regain function. And uh, I believe uh, the future will bring uh, exciting developments. So uh, in brief, Sasha, this is what I would mention in the field, uh, in this very complex field of stroke recovery as being now in the forefront. Thank you, Dauphin. You made quite a comprehensive yet short overview of all these areas. Actually, each of them can have independent podcasts, but uh, okay, it, it was, I hope, uh, informative enough to provoke uh, interest in listeners. Let's go now to another question. How does evidence creation, including efficacy, such as evidence-based medicine, or effectiveness, such as real-world data, or disease registers and uh, economic evaluations, how do they inform and improve post-stroke neurohabilitation practices? This is an excellent question, Sasha. Uh, 
excellent because at the end of the day, the creation of evidence is crucial for improving stroke rehabilitation practices. Evidence-based medicine, it's uh, our guiding principle and we uh, insist now to develop more and more evidence-based uh, in the field of neuro rehab because this evidence base uh, dictates that we use or not use the best available evidence. We have to contemplate and to derive from rigorous research our uh, decisions to make informed decisions about the patient care. And at this level, our, our group, I would mention this, has been continuously developed a series of randomized controlled trials targeting stroke. We have discussed this in our panel and uh, uh, within our panel, we have been very active with some trials. And uh, as you know very well, we have conducted uh, very successful trials, particularly for pharmacological support. I would mention the CARS trial for motor uh, uh, rehab in stroke. We are now conducting the CODEC, which is a trial dedicated to cognition. ESCAS for language, we have the ENHANCE uh, trial. So uh, it's good that everybody will know that we are a very active group and uh, we are working not only on the, these uh, uh, trials, but uh, with, uh, with this great team that uh, you are, uh, let's say, coordinating now, uh, we work together for the, the new guideline that uh, we are planning. And in Budapest, we'll have uh, the first meeting, the kickoff for the new guideline for motor stroke neurorehabilitation. And this is an important project uh, dedicated to our development. Uh, and such a work must be placed in the perspective of uh, improving neurorehab. And uh, uh, we are uh, we are really proud to be able. Now, regarding real-world data and disease register, you know, these uh, tools offer invaluable insights into the effectiveness of various treatments in, in actual clinical setting, which may sometimes differ from the control research environments, but we know that rehab is a very personalized field and we need real-world data. And uh, these sources of data are crucial in refining uh, our understanding of which treatment works best for whom. And that is important based on the personalized approach. And uh, conducting high quality observation studies is very important. And uh, I think uh, this will uh, give us a better perspective. And uh, this complement findings from randomized control trials and inform clinical practice and health policies. Now, the last uh, pillar, I would say, dedicated to economic evaluation is important. Uh, and these evaluations, they help us to prioritize interventions and not only improve patient outcomes, but also offer the best value for money. Uh, we are living in an economical world, so therefore this is an important point. This is crucial, especially given the increasing economic burden of stroke on health budgets globally. It is a complex uh, balancing act, but uh, one that is crucial for sustainable and effective stroke care. In our department, over the last five years, we have been developing a team that is capable of conducting cost-effectiveness research based on the field's gold standards, allowing us to inform critical decisions uh, regarding resource allocation in our healthcare system. So 
I believe this is an important step and uh, it's not only a theoretical part, we are doing this. And uh, if you remember at the World Congress of Neurology last year in Vienna, we had a special session dedicated to our uh, uh, evidence data that we have developed in the, in the field of pharmacoeg. Thank you, Dauphin. Yes, it's an important issue here is that uh, actually neurorehabilitation is an interesting position that it's at the interface between uh, evidence-based medicine requirements and the personalized medicine requirements because you need evidence-based uh, approach in order to get proper scientific support from four different diagnostic and treatment practices and approaches. But on the other hand, conditions and situations in which neurorehabilitation is practiced requires very much of personalization and this is difficult to actually combine. So it's much harder to, to conduct evidence-based or randomized controlled trial in neurorehabilitation than uh, in some other disciplines sometimes. So, so that's, that's, this is a very complex question and complex issue. But now another is important uh, question for the whole field and the neurology in general, but for neurorehabilitation in particular is how ha- have health policy and advocacy initiatives like the Stroke Action Plan for Europe impacted post-stroke care? Yes, uh, you you tackle uh, this important topic and uh, you touch upon a, a very delicate aspect and definitely health policy and advocacy initiatives play a pivotal role in shaping uh, post-stroke care practice practices and outcomes. That is completely true. And you mentioned the Stroke Action Plan for Europe. This is a complex program developed by European Stroke Organization. Uh, This uh, has set clear uh, ambitious targets uh, for improving stroke care across the continent. For example, uh, we aim uh, that by 2030 we'll treat 90% of the patients in the frame of a stroke unit and we'll uh, uh, reduce uh, in uh, by absolutely numbers uh, the numbers of stroke by 10%. These are very ambitious targets, uh, we know. Uh, and, um, you know, similarly to, to this strategy, the Romanian National Strategy for Cardiovascular and Cerebrovascular Diseases, with which I, uh, I have been closely involved, it's another uh, commendable initiative. So we already endorse uh, the Minister of Health of Romania uh, endorsed, as you know, because you participated recently in our Congress, uh, he endorsed the European Stroke Action Plan. And this is an important example that practically at the level of governments, we have to be committed for this uh, for these important uh, developments. You know, all countries, regardless of level of development, face limited public resources in the health field, where... Uh, Society's expectations of medical services are increasing, actually. So uh, WHO position on addressing this reality is very firm. Uh, No government has the resources to provide universal coverage with uh, uh, quality health services. And this is very difficult. More money is needed for health, this is clear. But at the same time, there is a need for careful and committed prioritization of services drugs and medical devices that often are not available for for absolutely 
everybody. And uh, we need to offer the best results in relation to their cost and available resources. And uh, we need also to tailor good public policies with uh, emphasis on performance, transparency, and uh, predictability. Such strategies create a structure and, uh, you know, a perspective for our healthcare system and a coordinated approach uh, to stroke care that spans prevention, treatment, rehabilitation, and uh, support uh, all types of services. They stress also the importance of health equity and access to high quality care for all stroke patients, regardless of their socioeconomic uh, status and location. Of course, these initiatives not only set the standards for optimal stroke care, but also drive the research agenda, helping identifying gaps in our knowledge and also to prioritize areas for further research. And I think further research is needed. Uh, and we mentioned nicely a few days ago that, for example, for neuromodulation, we need we need uh, further uh, uh, research and development in order to clarify some of very positive aspects that have been stressed. And also for pharmacological intervention, we need to refine a little bit uh, uh, further uh, uh, results. You know, all these aspects, they play a crucial role in supporting continuous improvement in stroke care practices and ultimately uh, for a better patient outcome. So so I believe that uh, this is an important part and uh, we have to, to work together with all our organization like EN is doing in cooperation with EFNR, in cooperation with ESO. And uh, maybe uh, in this ensemble, we may deliver, uh, I would say, successful results in the future. Thank you. Dan. Thank you. And uh, these are my thoughts related to this, uh, to these aspects. Thank you, Daphne. This was uh, quite, again, uh, informative and comprehensive. Uh, it's, I just wanted to stress that this brain health is becoming increasingly important issue in European policy and is planned to get uh, more weight and, and support in near future. And this is another reason why this advoc various advocacy initiatives uh, are important, why all these advocacy initiatives are important and uh, actually will have to increase uh, to, to draw attention of the general public and policymakers in general about the issues of brain health and uh, need for research and for the proper services. Anyway, I think that we covered uh, quite a lot of subjects within the field of neurohabilitation. And uh, you, Daphne, were the best possible person to give an overview, given your involvement in all these aspects over the years through EAN, through EFNR, and other organizations. So I would like to thank you. Thank you very much, dear Sasha. I think uh, you have done a great work. We are a nice team. We are a good team. And hopefully, together, we'll be able to, to go further in this uh, exciting field. Thank you for your continuous support. This has been EANCast Weekly Neurology. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcatcher for weekly updates from the European Academy of Neurology. 
You can also listen to this and all of our previous episodes on the EAN campus to gain points and become an EAN expert in any of our 29 neurological specialties. Simply become an EAN individual member to gain access. For more information, visit ean.org membership. That's ean.org backslash membership. Thanks for listening. EANcast Weekly Neurology is your unbiased and independent source for educational and research-related neurological content. Although all content is provided by experts in their field, it should not be considered official medical advice.